None of us realize what expectations we hold in our heart until they're not met, until you're walked into a situation where you're like, that's not how that was supposed to be. This is The Overland Voice. I have just been praying into how to better prepare guys coming to the office. And the word that the Lord put in me is to prepare them for transition. So I've heard through, not even just like the season, through the years, I've heard from people that after the fact, oh, it was actually really kind of difficult to transition into the office or even into your role from MPD into assignment. Like that is a huge transition for people as well. And that adaptation. So I've been like, Lord, how do we better equip people to walk through that to, so it doesn't feel as jarring or at least being able to accept the feeling that comes with it. Um, So that's kind of was my, my prayer. And I'm like, Lord, how do I, what is the better way of doing this? Or a way, <laughs> I don't know that we've, from this side, ever really have done it. Um, and the word that came, like I said, was transition. It's understanding what is transition and what it does inside of you. And when you know that, or when you can foresee that, you're better equipped to kind of walk. It does inside of you. And when you know that, or when you can foresee that, you're better equipped to kind of walk. I think a lot of times what the emotions you feel in a transition will sometimes incorrectly interpret into, I must not, I must have missed something. I'm maybe this isn't my right assignment. Maybe that like you start to question the wrong things instead of accepting, oh, this is actually a moment of instability and it's a designed moment of instability. There are your five psychologically main stressors that if you are in the midst, you just had a kid, you just got married, you just got a new job, you're in the middle of a divorce, you're grieving the death of a spouse. Those are not the time to make major life decisions. And psychologists will say, don't just walk through this time because your emotions go crazy in those things. Well, a lot of times as a ministry, we have people step in. Married, new job, you know, which are blessings. And I think that's sometimes also what takes you back is you're walking in a blessing, a new opening, yet there's stress in it. And you're like, why? What? This isn't right. Like, this should be joyously wonderful. Um, And what ends up happening is you had an expectation in your heart that you didn't know you had. None of us realize what expectations we hold in our heart until they're not met, until you're walked into a situation where you're like, oh, that's not how that was supposed to be. You envisioned your ministry. You envisioned what your marriage life was going to be like. You envisioned what it would be like to be raising kids. That moment when you're home with an infant and you think it's, you know, you think the utopian, you don't think about the struggles or you think, okay, yeah, there'll be struggles, but I'll be this is a blessing of the Lord. I'll be able to walk through this, no problem. And it, when it does become difficult in those times, then that causes to question 
you can come to question your theology or your position, or you start questioning the wrong items instead of just saying, hey, this is actually just stressful. (laughs) Let's not let stress dictate the bigger picture of what I'm walking in. So one of the, I was like, oh, that's great. I had all these thoughts, and I was like, I would love to have a biblical explanation of all these things, because I have a lot of things that were taught to us that I don't think are necessarily taught beyond, I mean, I had some great leaders in my life that actually put teachings and things inside of us to be able to walk through these seasons, and understanding you're going to be transitioning your whole life from, you know, you'll walk through many different seasons and to understand what's happening in those transition periods will go smoother when you know what to embrace and what to fight instead of mixing them up. Um, so the name, the the person who got put, and I'm sure there's plenty of other examples, but in my five minutes of prep, the story of Joseph's life, because And Joseph is an extreme. I'm not saying his transitionary period was like 20 plus years. And that's an extreme transition. But what he embodied through his transition was incredible. Because he had a dream. He had a word from the Lord. He knew what his life was, what direction his life was going in. And then his brother sold him into slavery. And he's like, but so what did he wallow in the story of Joseph in that change of trajectory? No. What impressed me deeply about Joseph is was his attitude in the changes in life. Let's go to Genesis 39. So <clears throat> he sold into slavery, and then given to the Egyptian officer of Pharaoh. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him. An unbeliever, doesn't know anything about Hebrews, saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant, and he made him overseer over his house and put everything that he owned in his charge. It says later on in another scripture, the only thing this man worried about was what he was going to eat. Every other decision in his life, he put into a slave boy's hand because of what he saw embodied in him. Because Joseph was able to walk through that transition knowing who he was, what he was called to, and said, I'm going to choose to serve and be the best that I can be in in whatever circumstance I'm in. Um, So then Potiphar's wife took a liking to him, pursued him deeply, (laughs) rebuffed many, 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 many times. And so much so that she grabbed him. And when she grabbed him, he wiggled out of his coat and took off. So she's like, oh, I got to, 
fabricate a story here because people heard him leave and I'm holding his coat. So lies, 100% lies about him. He's thrown into jail, inside jail. So he's gone from beloved son, slave, twice over, in his slavery, promoted to overseer, worse than slavery, into jail. Oh, but I saw all the wheats bowing down to me. Jail. Where there, the guard sees him is remarkable, you know, is, is like shocked at the demeanor of this person who's in and trusts him again. Here, you're going to be, you're going to help me. You're going to be leading me. And then the dreams happen. No one's able. So Joseph kind of rebukes them. Hey, why are you trying to figure out what the Lord has been saying to you? You need to come to somebody who knows the Lord to explain this. Explains the two dreams. Please remember me. Completely forgotten when placed back up. The Pharaoh has a dream. No one's able to answer it. The cupbearer remembers. Oh, wait, there was this guy. When I was in jail, there was this guy that was able to answer. Maybe you should get him and bring him up. So Pharaoh goes to him. And Joseph not only interprets the dream, but lays out a strategy to the Pharaoh. So it wasn't even like, this is what the dream says. Oh, this is what the dream says. And this is what you could do to actually prepare your kingdom to walk through this. Like you should be setting aside a fifth of everything in storage so that when the famine comes, you have enough to serve your people. The the Pharaoh seeing, well, this guy is amazing. So his character shown, and then it's because of the famine that the prophecy is fulfilled, where his brothers come and they, they bow down to him and he's broken. Like when the prophecy is fulfilled, he's like, one, he's seeing his brothers for the first time in 20 years that, can you imagine what he could have carried? The hurt, the, you know, he had every reason to be resentful, to be angry to those brothers that through him, they caused him to have to walk through these 20 years. <laughs> but he was broken and happy to see his brothers and accepted them and, you know, played with them a little bit, but he, accept, he accepted he them. He did play with them a little bit because <laughs> he wanted to see his beloved. He wanted to see Benjamin. So it was like, I'm going to kind of mess. I want to see my, my brother of the same mother and father, like my, my beloved brother. So <clears throat> the points that God gave me, and I don't think these are all encompassing, but when you're in those moments of transition and things aren't as you expect, the first thing you need to do is grieve the difference. You have to acknowledge that it's not as you expected it to be and grieve that loss. The other thing is you have to realize that that loss is probably not a loss. It's a loss and it feels like a loss inside of us. But the truth is the Lord knows where you are and he's probably has something even greater, something more in line with his vision of kingdom 
that maybe this was outside of that perspective. So if you can grieve the difference, you have to know that God rules and reigns wherever you are. You're a slave, you're a prisoner, you're an admin, you're, not to put that in the <laughs> to bring it to here, like whatever role, wherever you are, if you're believing for something, if you have hope and faith in something, God rules and reigns wherever you are. And if you can trust that he is who he says he is, then your circumstances are temporary and do not matter. You're walking towards the fulfillment of something greater. The third thing is you have to embrace the now. Embrace what's here, what's in your midst, what you do have in that relationship, in that role, in that, like, learn to value and embrace what is good and powerful in those areas, because that is your perspective. That's a perspective. If you focus on everything that it lacks and how it's different, you are never going to be satisfied where you are, and you're going to bring division and you're not going to have a whole relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your job, with whatever you're trying to walk through, whatever that transitionary period is. So we have to choose what is our perspective. Are we going to focus on everything that it's not or focus on everything that it actually is, the good in it? And, um, and you have to acknowledge the good. And I have record the good, which kind of ties in people that have been around a while and heard my message and how to deal with conflict. Um, Philippians 4. Pull it up. I think it's 4. It might be 2. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things, which means think on these things, record these things in your brain. That word is actually a... It's a crediting to a bank account. Like you are depositing that into your head. Record that in your brain. These things you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things and the peace and let the peace of God will be with you. So we have a choice. You can record everything that's wrong and you're going to live a miserable existence because that's going to be Nothing you see, if your eyes are, aren't pure, everything you look at is not going to be pure. Again, that's going back to what you talked about, how you're, you have to have clear eyes. And one of the ways to do that is to deposit the good, the pure, accepting what is good and allowing that to overwhelm the negative. Because what ends up happening is your negative diminishes and then you're walking in an amazing heart and an amazing relationship and an amazing role and nothing has changed. 
your circumstances have not changed. The only thing that's changed is your attitude in your heart through that circumstance. And we have the power. You have the power both in the resurrection power that lives in you, which is mind-boggling, and the power to choose what you record through those processes. So in an offense, in a whatever, try to record what is good. We went through, like when we had our rough period years in our relationship, like I I was like, I read this and I was like, you don't know what I'm dealing with. And I was rebuked so hard (laughs) with the way I was like, okay, all right, I'll do this. And it was stupid little things, but things that I could say with a, without a shadow of a doubt at the, at that time, in that point in our relationship, it was really hard to see anything good. I'm going to be honest. Like we were discussing divorce, really hard to see anything good. I literally was like, you know what? The man takes out the trash every day without me asking. I've never had to ask him to take care of, take the trash out to the curb. And so I was like, all right, that's, that's, that's something I can, that's it. But it, the problem wasn't you. That's what I'm saying. The problem was not you. The problem was me and my perspective and what I was recording. When I changed what I was recording, the relationship changed. So who was the problem? Not him. <laughs> Not that he was, I was the problem because I was recording the wrong things. When I turned, shifted and I turned to record everything and then you could, I could actually see the magnitude of what he brought to the relationship because I allowed my eyes to open to it. And at the time I was building my case of what I felt needed to happen. And when I let that die and let the actual truth of the situation take over, it complete. And I didn't tell him I was doing this. He actually came and was like, after two months, I don't know what you're doing, but the dynamic in the house has like shifted. Everything's wonderfully great. And I'm like, <laughs> I listened to the Lord, <laughs> but it's the truth. I, so much of what we walk through does depend on our perspective and how we handle those transitions. So in them, it can feel very disrupting. It's meant to feel very disrupting. And if you're somebody who feels and hears the Lord in your emotions the way I am, that can get very, it's a very confusing time because it disrupts your stability of what you hear in the voice. Yet, I've walked enough in the Lord to realize and I've allowed him to rule in my emotions that I've now gotten to the place where a lot of times I can walk in peace when there's absolute chaos around me. It's not, it's not going to affect me. I'll have moments like I'm not like, I'll have moments where I go home and I'm like, this was rough and I'm going to go in bed and I'm going to cry and I'm going to grieve and I'm going to, put all my expectations down and then I'm going to pick up the truth of the word and I'm going to walk it up because that is what is real and what is eternal here. If you live in the temporary, you're 
depositing and putting all your effort in something that's going to fade and it becomes worthless. You have to live in the eternal. You have to rise above. You have to take what the word says is sometimes as crazy and does not sound like it could be true and make it truth and bank everything you have on it because it is truth and you will see in the end that is what stabilized you because that is what's eternal.